This is episode 69 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm speaking with Raquel Lynn. Raquel Lynn lives in Los Angeles, California with her husband, Adam, Heatmere Fira, and Pomeranian Mango. She loves cowboy boots, obviously, sequins, all things sparkly, cowhide, creating, cooking, Pomeranians, paint horses, a good sale, flowers, wine, goat cheese, photography, flats, Bravo TV, bell racing, turquoise, palm trees, and sunshine. Raquel created Horses and Heels in 2010 as a personal blog with a handful of readers, and now the site receives thousands of daily readers. Raquel also was able to quit her job in 2013 and now runs Horses and Heels as well as Stable Style full-time. She also contributes to various equestrian publications, including Cowgirl Magazine, Chrome, and Western and English Today. Raquel is returning to the podcast to discuss her new book, Stable Style, Barn Inspiration for All Equestrians. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. I'm Carly Cade, and today I am so excited to have a returning guest. I have Raquel Lynn of Horses and Heels and Stable Style on the show today. Hi, Raquel. Welcome back. Hi. Thank you for having me. Of course. And we have some big news to share in Raquel's world as we get into the interview. But first, you know, we already know that you have a beautiful paint mare named Fira and you have yeah. lots of adventures that you share with her on your, on your Instagram channel and Facebook. People know about her. You share about her a lot in your newsletter and on your blog. So what have you been up to with Fira since the last time uh, we chatted? Well, I think since the last time, I might have been hinting at it a little bit that there were going to be some more adventures. And there have been because I now have a truck and trailer. So there have been lots more adventures. We've been to the beach. I've basically been going through trailer life in the city, which is a <laughs> fun learning process. We'll call it fun. Not always, but you know that's been kind of one of my my big things this year. And since we're in the middle of this super weird time, at least I am able to still go horseback riding and take the trailer out. And so it's been kind of that aspect of this year has been awesome for me. Yeah, lots of time outdoors with our ponies for sure. And yeah. yes, that was something that you were hinting at the last time we talked is that a, a truck and trailer were, you know, something you had your eye on. So yeah. You grew up, you, have you driven a horse, uh, horse trailer before or was this a whole yeah. curve? Okay. No. So I grew up with it. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I used to be able to take myself to my own riding lessons. So, <laughs> you know, I would go down the road, but of course the roads where I grew up driving on were nothing like the roads that I'm driving on now. So it was, you know, a totally different experience, just having wide open spaces and, you know, not that much traffic versus coming here where 
it's the city and you have a truck and trailer and uh you know <laughs> you have to be very careful and very aware mm -hmm. so. it's essentially like driving a semi through congestion <laughs> i'm sure yeah. that is a battle i can only imagine so this is what i'm so excited to talk about you have big news to share i mean yes. congratulations from the bottom of my heart you wrote a book i actually I have it right here. It is the very first stable style book and it's called Stable Style Barn Inspiration for All Equestrians. And I think it's just, it's been something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. It's one of those projects where you're like, I want to do that. That sounds really awesome. And then you actually get down to thinking about doing it and you realize it's hard. And I'm like, I don't know how to start this. So I procrastinated on doing this for a while. And then I finally decided actually in 2020, I said, I'm going to make this book happen. And so it ended up being my quarantine baby, as well as just my, my book baby for 2020. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And so tell us how it felt the very first time you held this book in your hands, because yes, you're right. <laughs> a book is a huge undertaking and a coffee table book with lots of photographs, nonetheless. So how did, it, which we're going to get into here, how did it feel when you first saw your creation? Well, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, the first time I held my first book, it was not a good feeling <laughs> because it wasn't the one. The book that I have now that is for sale is, you know, everything is right. And we'll talk about this more as we get into it. But uh, the very first book that I had printed, uh, I opened it and, you know, I had such high hopes for it and the quality wasn't there. There were just a lot of things and I'm just like, this is not good. But going to your question of how it feels to hold the real book. The good the, book. <laughs> the great book is, it feels amazing because you just... You put all of those hours into it, you know, and it's just like a physical product that you can hold and it's, you know, it's really special. It is. There's nothing like that first. It is, it is such an exciting experience. So before we hop into the, the guts of how you got this book going and what I think you just spoke to is why it is so important to get a proof copy of your books and review them yourselves bef before, before you put it out into the world, because that's that can happen. You cannot be happy with with how it turned out, and you and you want to release the very best version. So actually, having that disappointing experience actually was a good thing because it led you to exactly what you wanted for your final product. But yeah. before we go into all the nuts and bolts of of this project, tell listeners what they can find inside of inside of the the book, and then maybe uh, open it up and, and show us a couple of pages for those listeners who are watching us on YouTube. Of course. So it's a hard copy. It's got a nice, it has a really nice weight to it. And I know to some people that doesn't matter. But to me, when I wanted to make this book, I wanted it to be just something like heavy and something that just had this, you know, this nice feel. So it has a glossy uh, book jacket, it's got a linen black cover on on the exterior, which I love black. So if you know me, you know that, uh, you know, black and white is very much my thing. And then I'm going to flip through. But just to give you kind of an example of some pages, it, uh, 
It's minimal text. It's mostly inspiration. So the barns that are in here, you know, we have nice full page spreads. And then we have some pages that I designed where there are a couple different, you know, photos or like a section of four. I really like the spread. It's just, you know, four different photos. And then the book itself is divided into three sections. We have small barns. We have a little intermission with a sprinkle of tack rooms. And then we have large barns. So it's basically just, you know, a collection of photos and text, but it's really pretty. So I think if someone's just looking for a book that has barns and barn inspiration, and the one thing that I did for this book, I feel like it's very appropriate to be like the first stable style book because it is a collection of everything. So you have modern barns, you have older barns, you know, you have those million dollar barns, but then you also have the barns that they're still really nice. You know, they have the charm. They have that rustic feel. I think there truly is something in here for every person, which I think is really nice because I kind of just designed a book that I wanted. I shot the cover photo and this is something that I did maybe four years ago when I uh, like moved to California. I was touring this barn and I just thought it was kind of just an appropriate cover photo because this barn is really, it's whimsical and it has like, you know, the flowers and just, it kind of just, you know, you look at the cover and you're like, well, what's inside? You see this horse it just kind of takes you to this place of like whimsy. That's what I want the people to, to look at the book and kind of just dream a little bit. It's perfect. I, I would certainly pick that book up. And I, I can see so many uh, you know, ways that this book can live in equestrians' lives be as inspiration if you're building a barn, as, you know, just a beautiful book to add to your equestrian, equestrian book collection, you know, something that you yeah. can have on display in a den, you know, for when you have guests over that can come and look at this. So there's so many different ways this can provide inspiration. And you mentioned that this is the first book in the Stable Style series, which I love because that alludes to there being more books in your Stable Style collection. But you said that it's kind of a variety of a lot of different looks, which, which I think is a nice reflection of what you're doing on Stable Style. Uh, mm. and, and for those listeners listening in who might not have heard your previous interview, which I'll definitely link to in the show notes so people can hear, hear you speak on, on other topics, Tell listeners a little bit about the Stable Style website and okay. how it inspired the book. So Stable Style, the site itself is a collection of barn tours predominantly. There's a little bit of equestrian lifestyle, you know, I'll share horse-themed pillows and decor and stuff like that. It's kind of sprinkled in there. But the main, the main uh, you know, site is just barn tours, tack room tours, and they're, it's a little bit of everything and they're all around the world. So you can find, you know, barns in England, you can find barns in Texas. I think actually goal of mine is to have like a barn from every state at like one point, because I think that would be really cool. Um, that would be but cool. <laughs> you get them from all over, you know, every different style. And I think it's really neat because just as equestrians, we come from so many different backgrounds. And I think the one thing that kind of brings us together 
if it's not a discipline, it's talking about horses and it's talking about horse care and like what is the center of horse care is the barn that they live in. So I think that's kind of neat for people to just learn how, you know, different people in different climates and different backgrounds, how they take care of their horse and, you know, what their barn is made out of. That, that is incredible. And, and so many beautiful barns and, and th- you know, things that you would never imagine. And I love that you show the, the difference of what barns can be like in geography, because that's something I learned moving from Michigan out West. It's like so yeah. different horse keeping here than it is out in the Midwest. And, you know, you have a horse in the city and, and stable style reflects all those different ways of keeping our horses, which is, which is very cool. Yeah. And I love how you said that you took the picture for the cover years ago. That means that Mm. this little creative nugget (laughs) has been living with you for such a long time and feeding you and step by step by step, it became reality. So, you know, you can dream things for a very long time and then, you know, the muse will tell you, you have to do this and the time was right. And and now you are holding your own book. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you're a big fan of coffee table books. You share a lot of uh, roundups and uh, of, of coffee table books and different themes for equestrians on uh, both stable style and horses and heels. Uh, yeah. ta- you know, talk to us about, I can't even wrap my head around what it's, what goes into designing a coffee table book. You know, let's yeah. kind of, di- you've got the finished product. Like, where did you start? How did you even begin to figure out how to pull this project together? Well, you know, Google was my first stop. (laughs) And then, you know, I did reach out to some fellow author friends. Like I remember asking you a long time ago, my friend Susan from Saddle Seeks Horse, uh, you know, a couple of different people that had put out books. But Mm -hmm. the problem that I was running into is everybody had done paperback. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any friends who actually had experience with a hardcover book. And I think the hardest thing is just getting started, I had a vision for what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to start. And then we're just going to figure it out as we go along. So I mean, I always had a plan. But I realized that, you know, the most popular program for creating or designing the actual book itself was InDesign. Mm -hmm. So I never used InDesign before. I've used, you know, Photoshop, Lightroom, all of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, you need to learn InDesign. So that is something that I've learned over the years, which has been great. So I did basically all the design myself. And I had ideas for who I wanted to have featured. Um, And with having this blog for four years, you know, I have a lot of friends and contacts, different architects, barn owners and stuff like that. So I kind of had an idea of who I wanted to reach out to about the project. There were some barns that I had shot, you know, that I wanted to include. So I basically just, you know, I started with InDesign. I started with an Excel spreadsheet of the people who I wanted to reach out to, the people who were yeses, the people who were, you know, it's hundreds of emails back and forth with people getting photos cleared for printing, just getting, you know, people's permission, because this is a unique situation. Mm -hmm. Also, because when I read about, you know, looked into coffee table books, most people just work with one photographer. And I didn't want to do that for this first book, because it was this idea of a collection, you know, similar to what the blog is. So 
that was, you know, quite an undertaking. And then once you get past, I suppose, designing and figuring out how you're going to do it and you start making the book, then the other big challenging was just how are you going to have it printed and then distributed and all of that. And I know I mentioned that, you know, the first time I held my first book, I was like really disappointed. So the whole time, I would say the first six months that I was going through the book process, I thought I had my company that I was going to use and it was going to be cake because they were going to print the book on demand for me. And then, you know, they were going, when I had an order you know, I was just going to type in the address of the person and they were going to send it to them. And I'm like, this is magical. This is too good to be true. And it was. Um, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> like, yes. I was like, oh, this is so easy. They're going to distribute. They're going to do all this wonderful stuff for me. So going into that is you need to find the person who's going to make your book. And that became a lengthy process for me in the mm-hmm. end. This being my first book, you know, I had to learn everything from the start, but I went through, this is the fifth book and the fifth company that printed my book for me. That's Um, a lot of trial and error. Yes. Because just the print quality overall was such a struggle. So as soon as I realized the first company that the book, you know, wasn't going to work. And then there were some mistakes that I made in terms of like font size and stuff like, and I was like, oh, like on print, you know, I don't like how this translates. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was going to be more than one copy, you know, ordered, Mm -hmm. but I didn't realize that I would run into the issues of the quality. So I ended up having to try, you know, a bunch of different companies and just kept being like, no, I don't like this. I don't like this. And then finally we got the one and it was just like, you know, it came packaged perfectly because that was another issue is I kept getting single books and they would arrive like slightly damaged. And I was just like, is this how you're, you know, you're packaging your, your book to me? I can't sell this, you know, to someone. So it was a whole thing. But when I got that one that was just right, I was like, oh my gosh, it came shrink wrapped. Like it was perfectly packaged and you know, the weight and everything and just the paper was right. You know, you could even tell just like the jacket was so much nicer, just all those subtle things that me having now this like stack of old stable style (laughs) books, which I don't know what I'm gonna do with just kind of use them around the house as art. But good for you for do, you know, not putting just being like this, this works and putting in a huge order of a bunch of you know, for a bunch of books and then getting something that you weren't satisfied with. Good for you for ordering single copies from each of the companies that you were giving a go because you don't have to commit to the first company you find. And then looking yeah. through them and making sure it represents you and your business yeah. the way you want it to. In uh, about the, the font and little hiccups that the author makes, that happens to all of us. So <laughs> don't feel bad about that. Yeah. And then, so based on how you were sharing with us about formatting and working with InDesign yourself, it sounds to me like you went the independent, independently published route with this book. Like you took total control. Yeah, I did. Um, That's cool. Happy I did, you know, because I got to do the only other person that was actually involved with the book was my editor because, you know, I know better than (laughs) uh, to allow myself to have that role. 
I make terrible writing mistakes all the time, you know, and, I, and you catch those. And when you're too close to a project anyways, I was like, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to edit my own book. I'm not doing that. And I'm not going to let my husband do that. I'm going to have a professional do it. So luckily I was able to have my friend Holly and she's actually the editor of uh, Horse Illustrated Magazine. She was mm-hmm. the editor. So she did a fantastic job for me. But other than that, this was all me and then you know my husband and my friends input along the way but uh well good on you for doing the the professional editing because that that is so important to any author because you're right when you're so close to a project you stop seeing uh you you know little things even go by and and it can end up being a hiccup in your book now so there was a lot of incredible information you shared there and also a lot to unpack. Uh, I love that you learned the skill of InDesign because often that's something that occurs when you want to put a book into the world. There are things that you have to learn, but it sounds like you took it baby step by baby step by baby step. Mm -hmm. Am I I right there? Because the overall probably was overwhelming, right? Yeah. And that's the way that I realized I could do it. Because mm-hmm. when you look at the huge picture, you're just like, oh, I can't do that. That's too much. So you've got to break it down into chunks and sections. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did, you know? Super smart. And, yeah. And then the let's talk about the the pictures that you used in the in the photography. So I imagine this is this was quite the undertaking working with a variety of photographers yeah. and and getting the licensing rights to use the photos. It sounds like you took some of the photos yourself, obviously the cover photo. So when you were re- in these people you had relationships with because you had worked with yeah. them over the years. So how did that look? You had hundreds of people to email. Did you include like say I want this picture or did you ask them to take a picture and then include a contract that says you have the right to use you have the right to use the photos in your stable style book. Like how did you approach that? Uh, So yeah, that's, it's a process in itself. (laughs) Basically, you know, I had the Barnes in mind and everyone I reached out to, they already knew me beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sending cold emails out to people, which, you know, I basically, everyone responded to me. And out of everyone I reached out to, I only had two people tell me that they didn't want to be in the book. And I get that, you know, it's a privacy or, you know, everyone has their reasons. But the architects that, I mean, and everyone was different because everyone works with different photographers. Some of the architects, they shoot in-house. And so they own basically the rights to their photos. So for those people, that was super easy getting the permissions because they're like, well, we took these, like, of course we want to be featured. And then I would maybe go through and I'd say, I want this project. And sometimes I would send them screenshots of the exact photo I wanted, or maybe sometimes they would just send me an album and I would pick from the photos that I wanted and say, I'm I'm going through these photos and I'm jumping like a little bit out of order, but everybody who was also included in the book, they got to see a PDF of their pages that was going to be printed before, because I want everybody who's in here to just, you know, love the book as much as I do. And so I didn't want there to be surprises and I didn't want them to be like, Ooh, we don't like how you use that word, or we don't like that you, you know, 
I don't think anyone say we wouldn't like that photo because obviously they knew what photo, but you know, there's just like these little things. So everyone got to see, you know, and basically say that looks great. Like approve it. Yeah. Cause you want to keep people happy yeah. on the front end as opposed to having put together the entire book and then have someone reach out to you and be dissatisfied. <laughs> right. So that was, and then the only thing that would change, of course, was uh, like spacing and like little, you know, I was like, okay, like spacing and all that stuff subject to change, but this is basically what it is. And then for some of the architects or there are some barn owners that they took the photos themselves. That was also a really, you know, most people are thrilled to be involved and featuring that sort of thing. Then some of the architects, most of them all had really good relationships with their photographers. So there were, everyone was like super excited about, you know, being involved. And it was like a matter of, well, can you make sure that you're just writing my name this way or we're doing mm -hmm. something this way, you know, little like simple asks that people wanted, which I want to make everybody happy. So it was just a matter of, you know, letting everyone know, hey, I'm self-publishing this book, which means I don't really have this budget for photos or that sort of thing, which was just kind of, I mean, the process itself was just a lot of back and forth and mm -hmm. just getting in touch with everyone and getting just the proper, you know, permissions and clearance and everybody though, that I worked with was super happy and, and really easy to work with. So that was great. Just, it took a lot of time. Mm, for sure. And what is so cool about what you said is you're speaking to the power of relationships, right? Like the, those people that you were working with had great relationships with their photographers. And then you kept great relationships with the people that you had been working with uh, between your, you know, what you're doing online and, and some of your influencer status, which is really, really important. And then while you didn't have the big budget that perhaps maybe a traditional publisher would come to a project with, what you had to offer the people that are appearing in your book or, or have their photos appearing in your book is a huge audience of the perfect demographic for if they're equestrian photographers or they, you know, take, or they're architects that work on barns, like the perfect audience yeah. for these people. So you have a, a, you have exposure to offer them to a target mar right. market, which sometimes is more powerful than a big budget, you know? So as well, right. I think a lot of times it's more powerful because it's the community that you're offering and then being great within that community. Yeah, absolutely. So you got this, you started the project in the beginning of 2020. You worked through multiple versions. You formatted it yourself. You got all the approvals and all the legal stuff in order. You tried out some companies and you finally got the book pulled together and you're happy with the quality who ended up printing the book for you did you go with like Ingram Spark or was it an independent small company that handled the printing for you <laughs> so it's an independent company Ingram Ingram Spark is the only company I know that's similar to like a KDP or an Amazon that offers hardcover yeah printing possibilities but you ended up going with a comp private company that works well for what you wanted to create yeah. And there actually are, and you can say this, of course, there are several other ones that are similar to Ingram mm -hmm. that offer, you know, the print on demand. And I mean, I did a lot of time researching them and I read a lot of reviews and I was like, okay, they, they seem good. And again, <laughs> didn't go with them, but no, that's 
perfect. That's what you're supposed to do. Educate, educate, educate. You totally educated yourself and you went with the company and you went on the path that made you comfortable and delivered the product you want, which, yeah. is, which is the most important thing you can do as an author. So this would be interesting for other people too. Like you love coffee table books. So you kind of have this, you know, in your mind uh, because you, you work with them a lot, but like, how did you decide what price point you wanted to offer your coffee table book at? That was, I mean, a little bit challenging for me because in the beginning, it, or should I say the end, it was down to two companies that were going to print my book. And they were two very different price points. And the hmm. last company that I went with, of course, is the most expensive one. So it's not cheap. And then what I'm doing with my company now is, you know, I'm getting bulk books shipped to my house and I'm mailing them out and I'm being the distributor, which is not something I wanted to do. But I did realize that if I wanted things done right, that I had to take on that job. So as far as the price point, even my, I guess you could call it my wholesale cost of the book is still not cheap. It's printed in the United States, which is something that I learned throughout this process, you know, I would sometimes go look on Amazon books that I would consider maybe my competition or maybe similar to me. And I would see their price point and I'd be like, I can't offer that price point. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing is I'm offering my books a little bit less on my website and then books through Amazon, they're priced a little bit higher just because Amazon takes, you know, they take from you, but they also offer that exposure. So I think the hardest part for me was setting that price point because I was like, well, have to make some money, but I didn't want to price it at a point that I felt like alienated, you know, people or people thought, oh, that's too, you know too high end or too fancy. I, I learned a lot um, just trying all these different companies. And it, it really is you get what you pay for. Because I did learn I could get the exact same book that I have printed in China for about $20 less per book. Wow. But I also have to order a 1000 of them, which is not happening. And you know, that wasn't a risk or something or a cost that I could take on or was willing to, you know, store a thousand books and also the timing, the amount of time that it takes to get a book printed and to you from China takes like about four months. Mm -hmm. And my goal was to ultimately have this book out in time for the holidays and, you know, all of those things. So yeah, you kind <laughs> of basically the price of the book itself kind of just determined the price point for me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you that because there is so much consideration that goes into pricing a book, particularly a book with a lot of color photos with quality paper that is hardback that is something that you can display in your home, you know, so it's, a, they're expensive to create and to create a good product is expensive. And I think that a lot of your followers will be really happy to hear that you went with a company that that creates your books here in the United States, you know, and, and I think that that is a, a nice thing to offer, but I think that you priced it in a, in a perfectly good place. I mean, absolutely. I, I would, I don't see anybody having any trouble with the quality of the product that you created and that it's printed here in the U S and I, I noticed you, you mentioned, you do mention that it's printed in the U S too, right. In your sales. I do. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a big selling point. 
but I wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of authors don't realize there's how much goes into pricing books and, yeah. and that the authors to deliver the best product often don't don't make a whole lot on the other end uh, to create this beautiful thing for their readers because uh, it's just the nature of the publishing business. Yeah, there's so many little things. Like, for example, I had this argument with my husband about over a dollar, but it was like, you know, if I wanted, there was this one, you know, little fancy feature and it was like going to bring my book price up one more dollar. And he's like, do you need to spend that extra dollar? And I was like, well, if it makes me feel happy when I open the book, then I do need to, because he's like, I don't think your readers, they're not going to know if you don't do it. And I was like, of course they won't know if I don't do it, but if I do it and it makes me feel happy, then, Make you know, happy too. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Again, it goes back to that, that perfect product. I mean, you want to have something that you're proud of to share with your readers. And sometimes those little extra things, you know, are worth it for sure. Yeah. And uh, what, you know, so, so say someone's starting off from scratch, like you did and wants to produce a coffee table book, what advice would you share with someone about to embark on this journey? <laughs> oh my gosh. Give yourself way more time than you think. That's the first thing because time just got away from me so many times and Knowing what I know now, and that's why I say there's going to be a second book because I really want to do a second book and just all of the knowledge that I've learned, like if you do it once, you can do it again so much easier. So for me, I wouldn't say I mismanaged my time. It was just, I would have done things so much differently because in between at the end when I was just kind of waiting for those sample copies to be made, um, those one-offs, you know, you have to wait weeks in between copies. And I was done with that stuff that, you know, everything on my end. So I would give someone the advice of, you know, it's going to take longer than you think, first of all. Mm -hmm. And then second of all, if you can print like, you know, your first test copies before you're even ready. Because I had this mindset that my book had to be completely edited by my editor before I even printed a copy. But looking back, I should have printed it before I even gave it to her, just so that I could look at the quality. And then, you know, those like little tweaks and stuff that we're talking about, like the spacing and stuff like that. And that would have just made the process kind of go a little smoother because in the beginning when it's just you working on your book, you just keep going and going and going. And then the end, there's a lot of things where you're waiting on other people. You're waiting it to come back to the editor. You're waiting for it to be printed. You're, you're waiting for this, you're waiting for that. And I just think that I could have simplified that process a lot more by getting test copies printed before I thought I was ready. And then I would have known like that company is out, that company is out. And I probably would have uh, been coming, you know, having this book available two months earlier than it actually was. Yeah, that's the hard thing with first, isn't it? There's a lot of figuring out. And then once you conquer it and you climb the mountain, you get the first book done, you can go so much, much more quickly on the second and third books. And, you know, yeah. before you know it, you're going to be the author of a billion <laughs> coffee table books, which is, which is so amazing. And I wanted to ask too, like going back to the 
photographs and the the legal agreements you had with the the photographers and the people who own the the pictures did because this is something sometimes something that occurs where uh, an illustrator or a photographer is paid royalties per book sold and last you include in your contract that you have the rights to use it in this book for you know like all of eternity all of eternity or whatnot right so did you did you include that sort of language because this is something I think that people looking to do a project like this or a book with pictures need to be aware of that you know there can be those legal loopholes you know in, in probably getting uh, lawyers' advice on some of this stuff probably makes a whole lot of sense. So, like, how did you approach yeah. that? I mean, honestly, bookmaking or photos, I kind of realized it's it's very similar to the music industry, which mm. my husband is in. And you know, when you talk about royalties and stuff like that, I'm very familiar with all of how that works. And it's one of those things where just with everybody was okay with knowing that this this isn't a royalty ongoing project you know this is kind of the test baby to see how this book mm-hmm. goes you know you never know how well a book is going to do you know everybody I think who is involved in this book it's kind of like what you're saying it's about the exposure and stuff like that versus this isn't a money project where there are royalties and you know we're all going to get rich this is a uh <laughs> It's a passion Yeah, it's definitely a labor of love is what I refer to it as. Absolutely. And it sounds like you were, you know, upfront about that with the people that were participating in the book, which is just something for other authors who are listening and to be aware of, you know, make sure that everybody knows, you know, what's going on uh, as you go through the process and, and don't fill them in after the fact, you know, kind of let, let everybody know what's going on up front and you just save yourself a lot of headaches, I would imagine. Absolutely. And then with Amazon, how are you working with Amazon to distribute? Are they affiliated with the company that you had print the books or are you working with them independently? <laughs> how is that working? Yeah, it's it's not fun. Um, so I'm working with Amazon independently because as you know, they don't offer a, a service for hard copies. And honestly, if they did, it probably wouldn't pass my inspection. <laughs> Maybe it would, but... Yeah, I basically, I'm doing the fulfillment by Amazon. So I have to send them the books and then they are going to fulfill for me, which there is the option of me selling through Amazon and then fulfilling the orders myself. But I don't want to do that just because it's one less thing for me to do. And then I am offering uh, international shipping on my site but I'm also hoping that some people can maybe compare the price of the book on Amazon and then they get that prime, you know, and then they don't have to to worry about the shipping. So that's why I'm letting Amazon take care of it because if I were to fulfill the book myself and sell it on Amazon, I would be paying Amazon's fees and paying the shipping fee. And that would just be I'd be in the negatives basically at that point. Um, And you'd be storing all those books at home in a closet or a bedroom or something, you know, that way they're in their, their warehouse. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one step removed too for your customer, right? Because if Amazon just can grab it and fulfill it, then, you know, you don't have to wait for the communication from them that somebody bought your book and then get out to the post office and print a sticker and do all that sort of stuff either. And then people know it's just coming from Amazon. I don't have to worry. Exactly. Yeah. And 
it actually became a little bit more complicated to get it up on Amazon because they have this program called Amazon Advantage and it's for authors, primarily authors of hard copy books. And they, uh, they stopped letting new people in the program when I tried to apply because they're improving it, which is wonderful. But um, I was not able to get into their program. So I had to just do the, tra- the traditional Amazon uh, fulfillment, which is fine. But, you know, the Amazon advantage was like kind of catered towards uh, authors and stuff like that. So. Wow. So that's a whole new thing for you to explore once they've improved the program and have it, have it up and running where you can actually, authors can actually distribute eat more easily, I would imagine, their hardcover books. Yeah. That's, I'm hoping. Yeah. We'll see when it's, I don't know when it's going to be open again. <laughs> we should have you back on the show when, when, you've, when you've figured all that <laughs> crazy out and uh, talk about that a little bit more because I know a lot of authors would like to be able to offer hardcover versions of their yeah. book. Like you said, Amazon doesn't have the options, soft cover and, and digital. Yeah. So you're on, you're on the forefront of a whole new frontier <laughs> when it comes to independent publishing. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've learned too much this year. I think <laughs> you probably write a book about writing your book or putting your book together. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then how, I mean, clearly you have the platform to reach your readers about this, about this book because your fans are probably so excited. I'm sure I'm excited for this project. I know it's a big deal. How, how what are you thinking about in ways to reach your readers uh, around the fact that you have released a book? Are you doing anything special or? So far, I mean, a lot of social media and it's also just been a slow and steady process. I don't have a lot of time and I'm always feeling, I always feel like I'm one step behind. I don't know if anybody else feels like that or this is just my life, but you know, I've been getting it out there just, you know, in my newsletters, you know, on Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff, gift guides, stuff like that. I'm in the process of making, you know, big banner ads for my own sites you know, because I sell advertising on my site. So I should be advertising my own products. I probably will start reaching out to some of the local tax stores that are uh, in my neighborhood, see if they want to carry it, that sort of thing. I've actually had a couple of boutiques in Australia reach out and say they want to carry the book. I also need to kind of figure out the wholesale because there isn't really a big profit margin to begin with. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's a whole a whole new thing that I'm kind of figuring it out, honestly, as I just go along doing the marketing word of mouth and it's, it's getting out there. And I've been really happy with, you know, how I have done so far with the sales. So it's good. This is an evergreen coffee table book that, you know, this is going to have a long life. So into the future, you'll recoup (laughs) (laughs) exactly All, all of the, all of the, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and money that went into the production of the book. So, you know, so there's so much opportunity around this book and you're just getting going. And mm-hmm. I think you keep speaking to the fact that, you know, sometimes you just have to jump in. Like, I, you know, yeah. I know what I want and I'm going to make this happen and then just jump in. And again, like we said earlier, those baby steps, those baby steps, those baby steps to get you across the finish line. Um, mm-hmm. And it sounds like you were just doing that. You made a decision you knew what the end goal was. And then, you know, as things came up, you just tick things off the list until you got to the place where you had a product that you were proud of. 
Yeah. Would you advise, I mean, would you, I mean, the sort of like advice for anybody with a dream or a passion or something they want to create in the world is just to, to do that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to just jump in. And then I think like when problems come up, you have to tackle the first problem and not worry about the problem that you're going to run into in five steps. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's what people trip up over, you know, in, in any type of project or anything in life. Like instead of dealing with what's in front of them immediately, they start looking at things that are, you know, miles in front of them. And they're like, well, this is going to happen. And here's why I can't do it. And I even said to my husband at one point during this project, when we came through the book printing company snafus, and I realized that my distribution dreams had gone out the window, I said, I don't care how much money this costs. I'm going to get a book that I like and that I'm happy with, and I will figure out what I'm going to do with the distribution later. Mm. So that's what I did. I didn't, you know, panic and go into what am I going to do with the distribution? It was just like, nope, first step, get a book we like. Second step, you're going to figure that out as soon, you know. So yeah, I think you just got to deal with what's in front of you. And once you eliminate that problem, you can go on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And there's always a way to work things out. You just have to, like you said, tackle it as they come up and figure it out and not let it stop you if you run up against a challenge, because there will always be a challenge with any creative (laughs) endeavor. I mean, that's, that is a promise, but, but there's always a way to work around. And there's people out there that will help you and support you as you're trying to figure things out. You have, you know, access to a community and get help or call the providers that you're working with. They often can help you and find a solution. Yeah. So, so your husband, what did he think when he finally saw, because he saw all the different proofs that you ordered, which is yeah. great, you know, great point. Always get your proofs before you order a big quantity and check them thoroughly. <laughs> oh, but, yes. <laughs> but he must have been so, so proud of you when he saw the final. Uh, yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, he was like, oh, this is the one, like, no question. This one's so much better, you know? And it was, it was a really good feeling because there were a couple of friends that, I was too embarrassed to show them the first one, like, and I would show them it now, but they got like the third and fourth, you know, and I was like, it's not quite there yet, but it's, you know, and they're like, oh, this is nice, you know, their reaction. And they were being honest with me. They were like, this is nice. And then I brought over the final and my one friend, she's like, oh yeah, I can tell. And she's like, bring, you know, she's like, bring the bad one too. And so <laughs> I brought that one over and she's like, you know you can just, you can tell. So it was a really good feeling when you're like, I made the right decision. Mm -hmm. And you stood behind the product that you want to deliver to. You didn't cave. You didn't say, oh, this is good enough. You, you brought the very best product to market and it it satisfies you. So your readers will be satisfied as well. And that's powerful. You know, some people get swayed, you know, but you stuck to your guns and you found the right place to bring the best book. Yeah. And besides your book, right? Because I'm sure maybe years ago, you this wasn't even on the radar, uh, like many, many years ago, when you started this, this whole beautiful thing that you've created in the equestrian world, like, has anything like bloomed for you or happened since you launched Stable Style and, and Horses and Heels, besides the book that you would never have expected? You know, 
I don't know if anything, you know, there's not like one thing where I can think of like, oh, this is, I mean, obviously the book is like a huge, uh, just it's a career high for me, I guess, or, you know, like a mountain climb, like I made that, I did that sort of thing. But everything with, I think both of the blogs just, you know, as the years pass, they kind of, they just build upon each other and they just get stronger and stronger. For me, I guess, obviously the one thing that has just changed is, you know, financial security. I guess over the years, because when I first started doing these blogs, I made no money, you know, <laughs> and it's just been, you know, traffic builds, things build, like your affiliate sales just get stronger and stronger. And so it's just nice to kind of just see all of the work that you've put into over the years. And it kind of just justifies why you're doing it. And just, you know, it's the sense of, I created this which always makes me really happy, you know? Well, congratulations. That is no small feat. And I have been a huge fan <laughs> of yours for, you know, for, for a very long time before I even ever became an author. And I've always looked up to you and, you know, to hear that you having that success and now you have a book to offer and you just keep adding amazing creative adventures into your repertoire of what you're offering is just, it's, it's so inspiring and I'm so happy for you. And it's a, that makes the case for, you know, everybody stick to your guns and keep mm -hmm. marching towards the direction of your dreams because it can happen, but it never happens overnight. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it's being authentic and it's being great to your community and it's being good to the people that follow you. And it's, you know, being committed to your dream and taking a stand and, and just keep going. So congratulations. Yeah. That makes me so excited. Thank you. <laughs> And so this is the big question. What are you curious about? What's next? I know you've been writing some amazing articles for horse publications. You're, you've talked about another book in there. So like, where are you heading? What are you thinking? What, what are you curious about now that you've accomplished the first book? I mean, in a perfect world, and that doesn't exist, but <laughs> I would love to start another book you know, I, I'd like this one to just be out for a while and I'm going to, you know, promote it because as you know, <laughs> you have to promote your product. You can't expect to publish it and then just sit there and, you know, magic happens. It's not going to fly off the shelves. So I do want to promote this one for a year and also just kind of stop and, and reflect and be thankful in that I've done that because I know we're always on to the next challenge and stuff like that. And that is great, but I need to like remind myself sometimes to pause and be like, let's just appreciate this moment. Like we did this. So that's kind of the work plan. I mean, I already have the topics in mind for, for the second book. And I know, you know, what I want to do with that. And obviously I would take all the knowledge that I learned from book one and put it into book two and making of would be a lot easier. And then you know, on a personal level, I'm just hoping to do more stuff with Fira. I wanted to start showing and doing some competitions this year. And then with everything that has happened, I just decided not to. So maybe next year we'll, she'll start competing and stuff like that. Um, that would be fun. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of always working and always hanging out with my horse. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds perfect to me. And uh, those are, those are great goals. You know, and I love that you said taking a moment to pause and be grateful and celebrating 
the success yeah. that is this book, right? Because you're right. We always move on so fast to the next thing. And it's like, take that time to have the gratitude uh, and celebrate yourself because that is no, what you've done is no small feat and you did it independently, which is amazing. I mean, you own con- total control of this thing, but you had to wear every single hat through the entire yes. process. So that was a big undertaking. Congratulations. Thank you. So Raquel, I have so enjoyed having you on the show again. And thank you for sharing with us so much information about (laughs) what it's like to put a coffee table book together. And I'm so excited for you that it's out in the world. Would you let listeners know where they can find you and your books online? Absolutely. So uh, you can find Stable Style online at stablestyle.net. The, if you go to the website, you'll see on the, uh, the banner, there's a, a book section where you can buy. So it's uh, right there. The banner adds, hopefully you will not miss them. And then if you're on Instagram, you can follow at Stable Style on Instagram. On Facebook, though, you can just type in Stable Style and you'll find me and my other blog, it's called Horses and Heels. So you can find me at horsesandheels.com or at Horses and Heels on Instagram. I think that's all the channels. That's <laughs> perfect. And everybody should go and follow Raquel on Instagram because she shares amazing adventures that she goes on with Vera all over California. I mean, there's pictures yeah. of her with a Hollywood <laughs> sign in the background and she, you know, she walks her horse down the street. I mean, so many amazing adventures and, and things yeah. to be learned there. And I'm sad. I don't think Mango appeared in this interview. You know what? You probably, if you saw a little fur early on, Mango is in the TP right now in my office, but uh, there, she was right here <laughs> walking around. So you might've saw a little fluff passing. <laughs> I was, I was hoping I would see her, but TP is a perfect place for her to be too. <laughs> yeah. So as always, thank you so much for the gift of your time and for sharing incredible content with the equestrian community. And I wish you nothing but major success with the release of your first book. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and riding, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.